most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. Best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. Welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. I am your host, Chris Raybon, joined as always by my guy, Sean Kerner. And today is our annual props episode. We're going to talk all about player props. Sean, excited for this one, right? Yes, like I say every year, this is my favorite off-season pod. Can't wait to talk about some player props. Oh yeah! So we're gonna we're gonna each we're gonna go through we're gonna start with quarterback props, then go through running back props that we like, uh, then uh, wide receiver, tight end props to close it out. So we'll have a bunch of these, uh, and this podcast sponsored by Prize Picks, so we will use the Prize Picks lines. All right, Sean, start us off. Give me a prop you like for QB. So I'm going with Jameis Winston under 4,200 passing yards, and I'll throw on the under uh, 23 and a half passing touchdowns as well. I think that, you know, when it comes to Jameis Winston, he has a wide, wide range of outcomes this year. Um, I mean, he could end up playing all 17 games, have a career year, and just fly over these totals, right? Um, But he also has a really low floor. Um, So I think his median should be much, much lower. You know, he's been announced as the week one starter. We know that. But even though he's starting, I mean, Taysom Hill's still going to be involved in the offense, um, especially on the goal line. Like, I think that's one of the reasons why I like his under on his passing touchdowns as well. Uh, but, you know, any given week, I think Taysom Hill could take over this offense. Um, and even if Winston were to start, you know, 10 plus games, he doesn't have the greatest wide receiver depth chart or even tight end depth chart now that um, Trotman's hurt. So I think Winston has an uphill battle to clear these numbers. So, you know, I would set this line maybe closer to 3,800 passing yards and maybe 21 and a half passing touchdowns just to factor in. Um, you know, the, the extreme floor that Winston has. So, so I love the under for both of these. How many starts are you projecting Jameis Winston to make as opposed to Taysom Hill this year? So I have, uh, I mean, Taysom Hill is going to technically play in 17 games. That's, that's why he's kind of tricky to project. Uh, but I have Winston projected to start 13 games, but it's, it's one of those projections where how can you feel good about it one way or the other? Um, so it's kind of where I've just settled. Um, and at that projection, I have him at 3,500 passing yards. But again, would it surprise me that he, you know, ends up throwing for 4,500 passing yards? Of course not. It's, it's Jameis Winston. But this is a case where I think the median is much, much lower than, you know, the, the mean or like th- this is almost like his ceiling. So I think that there's just so much value on these unders that the, the game projection itself is kind of why I like this under. It's, it's so he's such a fickle player to project that it, it does favor the under here. Absolutely. And, you know, we tend to project medium projections when you guys see our projections on action network.com and the fantasy tool, those are medium projections, but every player has a range of outcomes 
that you want to take into account. And with this situation, regardless of where you have the median at and uh, prize picks has it at 4,200 yards, but I think there's a low floor, right? Like there's the, the, the amount of the range of outcomes on the bottom side for Jameis Winston is wider and larger than it is on a top. So I agree. I think the 4,200 number is a lot closer to his ceiling. Cause I think the saints still going to be a pretty good defense, still going to be a team that's going to run the ball uh, with Alvin Kamara and, you know, Watavius or maybe Devontae Freeman, if you believe some of the camp hype, but I would be surprised if Jameis got uh, over these, over that uh, number. So I like that one a lot. My first one is going to be Sam Darnold under 23 and a half passing touchdowns. And this is another one where we're just kind of assuming Sam Darnold's going to start every single game for Carolina. Uh, that probable, but he, it's never really happened for Darnold in his career. He's always either missed time that. And then last year, remember uh, Carolina, they went away from Bridgewater in some games a little bit toward the end of the season. So, but more importantly, remember Bridgewater is like, Hey, this team, we didn't practice situational football. They had 16 passing touchdowns last year. That's it. And for all of the, the receivers that kind of went off, you know, DJ Moore, well, really just DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, but they, they played really well for that team to still only have 16 passing touchdowns. And now you're, you're asking Sam Darnold to go like essentially 1.5 X that that means he has to start every game and play better than the Sam Darnold that has played for the jets, 17 touchdowns in 13 games in his rookie year, 19 touchdowns in 13 games, his second year, just nine touchdowns in 12 games last year. So the most recent season is the ugliest one of all. I just don't see a huge jump for Sam Darnold. Uh, especially on a team where uh, outside of Christian McCaffrey, who's a running back. So the touchdown expectation is never going to be super high. DJ Moore's not really a red zone guy. He's four touchdowns, even though he's gotten nearly 1200 yards in back-to-back years, he hasn't top four touchdowns. Robbie Anderson's never been a, a big touchdown guy. Terrace Marshall, he's a rookie going to play in a slot that doesn't project for a ton of touchdowns either. And then Dan Arnold's not even really a traditional tight end. I, I just don't see where you're getting all of these touchdowns from, even if Darnold starts every game. So this one is, is, is a few touchdowns too high for me. I'm going under 23 and a half passing touchdowns for Sam Darnold. No comments. Okay. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. No, like um, anytime you can go against Sam Darnold, uh, I'm not going to stop you. Uh, I do think you're underselling Terrence Marshall a little bit there. I think he will sort of be the red zone threat, but again, yeah. Under 23 and a half, passing touchdown sign me up for that yeah i mean i like terrace marshall as much as the the next guy but you're talking about a guy who had nine touchdowns and 12 starts last year and a team that he's going to that had 16 touchdowns in 16 games this you're just, it's just like a, a big regression to the mean upwards projection to get sam darnold there so yeah uh, i am going under for him give me another one for quarterback sean uh, so I'm going with Jalen Hurts over 655 and a half rushing yards. Uh, I'm projecting him closer to 750. Um, you know, there there is some uncertainty if he's going to grow as a passer this year, and I, I share that concern. 
Um, but he won't have to to clear this prop because um, we, we already know he's a really good runner, uh, an elite rushing quarterback at that. So, you know, rushing sets are much more predictive. This feels like, uh, you know, will he play over under 14 games kind of prop, in my opinion. So uh, I'm taking the over here and I, I would, you know, take probably up to 700, maybe 720. Like I said, this is a pretty predictive stat. So that's why I'm really comfortable taking the over 655 here. Yeah, I have him over 700 rushing yards uh, as well. And the reason it's so predictive is because scramble rate is very, very sticky. Like a quarterback's rate of scrambling is going to be, you could have like a couple of games worse, maybe even just you know one or two games worth of dropbacks. And you can get a very good idea of a quarterback's scramble rate because most quarterbacks, they either do it or they don't. So Jalen Hurts scrambled on 13.5% uh, of his dropbacks a year ago. I have him progressing to the mean a little bit. The league average is closer to 5%, but I have him still scrambling about 11% of the time this year. So that is – and and the average scramble is like a pass attempt. In terms of yardage, it's going to get you like seven yards, a pop, regardless of the quarterback. So, yeah, yeah it's it, – it, I think it's a very – uh, a very high floor projection. The only thing that could really bomb it is if he doesn't play enough games, like you said. Yeah, that's, so. that's the concern for sure. That's why it feels like a games played prop, which there's, you know, there's fair concern there, but it, it's, you know, I would take the over 14 and that's kind of what this feels like. He does face the Falcons in week one. So you could get, you know, a buck 50 yeah. <laughs> right out the bat, you know, just run around. Good start. Yeah. I mean, that game, I, I could see that game just being the Eagles best, offensive performance of the year. I, I, I'm very curious to see how the Falcons feel the a competitive defense this year. So uh, like the over for Jalen Hurts rushing, I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers under 4,550 passing yards. Aaron Rodgers had an amazing season last year. He Took what he was struggling at, you know, the year before, which it was, he, they still went 13 and three, but he, you know, he said he, you know, he used COVID to really kind of see what was going wrong the previous few years. His numbers had dipped and he came back with a vengeance. I think he did make some improvements to his mental game with, in terms of handling pressure and things like that. But to hit this number, he'd essentially have to average the same amount of passing yards per game as last year, about 270 yards per game. Uh, a little more actually play all 17 games and he would have you on top of that, he would have to, you know, come close to that 8.2 yards per attempt average. He hadn't gone above eight since 2014. So does he play every game? Maybe green Bay could be really good. They maybe they, you know, he sits the last week of the season. Now maybe the yards per attempt comes down. Maybe Devontae Adams misses a few games, which would bring the prop down. But on top of that, one of the things that Rogers changed line of scrimmage, he made sure to take as much time as he needed to manipulate the defense. The green Bay Packers had the slowest situation, neutral pace in the league. And they were basically last in every single pace category, you know, whether it was, you know, leading trailing first, second half, whatever they were near the bottom of the league or at the bottom of the league. So, so many things would have to go right for Aaron Rodgers to hit this. And these are the kind of props I love unders where a guy could have a very good season and still fall short of the prop. Because again, green Bay 13 and three, two years in a row, 
the game script might just not be necessary for Aaron Rodgers to throw over 4,550 yards. So uh, this one is, is one where you might see the, the name and, and be scared to bet the under, but I love the, the under here. Yeah, I love it too. And um, obviously there's an extra game this year, but he hasn't gone over this total since uh, 2011, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, and if you were to add, you know, say 250 yards every total the past 10 years, you, he'd still be under most of the time. Um, Aaron Rodgers, just pure stats this year. I think the Packers will be really good. So, yeah, I think that they could run it a little bit more. Um, so I, I agree with this under here. Where do you have him projected right now for passing yards? I have him at... Because I'm 100 yards less. I'm almost 200 less. I'm at 43.62. Okay, cool. Yeah, and honestly, 100 yards less is a big deal because there's there's so many more outs um, for the, the under to hit. Like you said, they could have a, a round one bye in the playoffs already locked up, and he sits week 18. There's so many other things that can happen for the under to hit, whereas, you know, last year was kind of a ceiling year, so he, he should, you know, rest somewhat this year. So, yeah, I love this prop a lot. And you know, it's, we should talk about this now before we move on, because it's kind of an underlying theme that I doubt a lot of other people are going to talk about or podcasts are going to talk about, but we should talk about this because it affects the player projections. And that is the league averages from last year. Last year, the NFL set an all-time scoring record at 24.8 points per game. That was 1.4 points higher than the previous high, which was 23.4. In 2013, also 64.3 plays per game. You know, that was up from the prior, uh, you know, six years, five years. So that was a five-year high. Passing, you know, interceptions were down. You know, obviously holding penalties were down. So kind of there was like a 1.1 less penalties per game. I mean, a lot of that I think was due, you know, partly to the holding, but also – the COVID situation and defense is not really being prepared. I think uh, the, the lack of the crowd noise impact benefited the offense and impacted the defense. So uh, do you think there could be a little bit of regression league wide in these offensive numbers? Because essentially almost across the board, we saw outliers in offensive production last year. Yeah, I agree. You, you laid out some of the things I was going to mention, like the holding, the crowd noise, the lack of off season for the defense. I think that, you know, in general, the league is going to be higher scoring going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, the league's getting more pass happy, more analytical. The, you know, the quarterbacks are just getting better. There's so many good quarterbacks. Um, so I think just the league in general, you know, start to score more. But like you said, I think last year was sort of extreme. Um, so I think that, yeah, we'll see a little bit less um, this year, especially with the crowd noise and everything. That's going to really help. Um, you know, the, the home team. So I think that, yeah, that, that's a smart call where all these players uh, might take a step back just based on kind of the league having these, you know, extra factors going into this year. Yeah. And it's not a huge thing, but when you're talking about these season long props and, you know, every 10, 20 yards is, you know, a little bit of an edge, every five receptions is a little bit of an edge, mm-hmm. every like half a touchdown is an edge. I think that's important because I do have league wide the numbers regressing just a tiny bit. Like I have completion percentage, you know, in my projections down, maybe about a half a percent. So my reception totals, you know, would be a tiny bit lower than last year. Uh, Same thing for touchdowns, you know, have them down just a tiny bit from their all time highs because 1.4 points over your previous high, like that's an outlier. That's huge. So 
maybe it could continue, but we can't bank on that, especially with fans back in the stands. So uh, definitely something to, to keep in mind. And uh, I think something that it's something that gives you a little extra incentive to go under yep. with some of these big numbers. All right, let's keep it going. I got, I had Darnold under Rogers under you had Winston under and hurts over. Give me another QB prop. Uh, I'm going with Josh Allen under 480 rushing yards. Um, you know, there's 258 million reasons why the bills probably want him to run it a little bit less going forward. You know, they want to protect him. Um, you know, he took a really big step last year as a passer, so he didn't really have to run as much. Um, you mentioned scrambling rate, um, when it comes to quarterbacks and sort of rushing stats, and we've seen his scrambling rate drop, uh, pretty significantly every year now, uh, as a rookie, I think it was around 12%. His second year is around eight and a half. And then last year it dropped down to like five and a half percent. Um, so we've seen, you know, the more comfortable he is in the pocket, um, and with his throwing ability, he's, he's running a bit less. Now I think that he will still run around the red zone. So I'm still projecting him for a ton of touchdowns. Um, I have him at seven and a half rushing touchdowns, but his, his rushing yards, I do have closer to 400, 407 rushing yards right now. So I think that, you know, th this prop, I, I don't really see how it's going to go over. You know, I, I think there's a little bit lower floor on this one. Last year he ran for uh, 420 rushing yards in 16 games. So I think that that might be kind of the baseline going forward. So an extra game there would still put him under this number. So again, we were talking about different outs for the under hitting again, missing a game due to injury, you know, not having to play week 18 because they have a first round by there's, there's so many more outs for the under hitting that if my projection is a little bit closer and I don't really see any reason for him to increase his issues there this year, I'd like to enter even more. So that's why I love this pick. Uh, under 480 yards is uh, another um, great pick I like here. Yeah, I'm at 446 in 16 and a half games. So uh, 16 and a half games, usually my default for quarterbacks, uh, unless something's going on there. So yeah, I have them about 35 yards under, and that's that's, a, that's a, what is that's like a game's almost worth a, of rushing that's a, yards. That's almost a game for him. So yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah. And it doesn't sound like a lot. I know to people listening, maybe who aren't used to doing some, some of these kind of things, or, or you're just listening for fantasy. Uh, I still have Allen as my QB two, but mm -hmm. Tyler Murray is right there for me. Like they're almost tied because I think Murray's going to have a, a schedule that favors a little bit more shootout kind of style. Whereas the bills are going to be so good that uh, we could see Josh Allen regress, not, because he takes a step back, but just because the bills are pretty good and, and they were good last year, obviously, but uh, something to keep in mind that I don't really have a ton of separation there uh, between Allen and Murray and, and Jackson's sitting there in fourth uh, with Dak kind of catching up to him because there's just so many injuries in Baltimore on that offense that I, I'm, I don't, I don't know what exactly they're going to do, but just run uh, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> the more you run it, uh, you know, the more that opens a guy like Lamar Jackson up to injury. So yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of like, yeah, it, I think the, it, you have some outs for, for Jackson under as well. And I'll, uh, that's why I'm actually going with the under seven and a half rushing touchdowns for him. And a lot of people may say, okay, J.K. Dobbins got hurt. They'll probably run Lamar more. But again, I just think, first of all, Dobbins was such a, a high efficiency runner that I think it knocks this offense down a tiny bit. Gus Edwards is good, but JK Dobbins was uh, otherworldly. You already expected some 
regression from what did Dobbins average 6.0 yards per carry last year uh, on 134 carries. So you expected some regression already, but I think you expect a little bit more now with him out for the year. So I don't know if they'll be close, you know, to the red zone quite as much as they would, especially because you also have Marquise Brown missing time and Watkins missing time and Bateman's going to be out to start the season. Nick Boyle just came back. So I could just see a, a sloppy stretch for Baltimore. Um, but also you look at Lamar and he had seven rushing touchdowns last year in 15 games, but he had touchdowns of 50, 37 and 37 as three of those seven. So I think that, yeah, you still expect Lamar to get some some scores, but it was also a pretty big record-setting year for quarterback rushing touchdowns. So I have a lot of regression there too. So I like a lot of the unders uh, for quarterback rushing touchdowns, but I have Lamar closer to, to six, uh, mm-hmm. six and a half, not seven, seven and a half. I just think you're going to, you, that's the stat you see. You, you're going to see some regression in, um, you know, for Lamar. I, I just think getting it real good with seven and back-to-back years but uh, I don't think he sets a career high with eight this year. So going under Lamar rushing touchdowns. Yeah. Like I haven't projected 7.1 rushing touchdowns, but here you mentioned it where every half yeah. touchdown counts for, you know, a quarterback like this, like you said, his career high is seven touchdowns. He's done it in back-to-back years, of course. And there's an extra game this year, but he's the kind of quarterback where I don't know where you have him projected for games played by him a little bit lower than your traditional quarterback because, you know, he is a running quarterback, so he's more prone to injury. So I'm projecting him for 16.1 games played. So that's why um, I, I'm still projecting him around seven touchdowns. But where do you have him for games played? Yeah, I have him at 16.5. I had him a little lower earlier when he wasn't practicing. He was on a COVID list. But I tend to leave most guys that are, like, healthy and, you know, not there's not, not something crazy at, at 16.5. But I think that's actually a good call. You know, if I – I might make some little tweaks here and there. Uh, like I have Dak at 16. He's one of the guys that, because there's some uncertainty there, oh, I have right. a little further down. But um, either way, I think, you know, if I lowered Lamar, let's see, I can do it right now. If I lower Lamar to 16 games, then his rushing touchdown total. Probably on the fives for you. Yeah, it's like 5-5. Five, five. So, yeah. Um, and, and again, that's not just a, a knock on Lamar. It's because quarterback rushing touchdowns last year were around – Point two per game, whereas historically they've been more around, you know, well, 1.125, which is like two in, in a 16, two per 16 games. Yeah. Uh, last year they were like three per 16 games. And yeah, there's some, there's better scramblers in the league now. There's guys that are more athletic, but still it's not easy to score a rushing touchdown, even if you're a quarterback. Um, you know, the defense tightens up in that red zones and it's, it's tough to break off three 35 plus uh, yeah. touchdown runs in a and, season. And, and so. to his credit, he, he really doesn't take that many big hits. He's so fast that he can usually escape um, really big hits. But I, for a quarterback like him, any kind of hamstring pull or an ankle tweak, like anything can really set him back. So it's, it's not so much, you know, he's just running around going to get hit hard. It's also just the soft tissue injuries, things like that. He just, he just puts himself at such a risk um, and he depends on his legs so much that any kind of injury will set him back a lot. So that's why I think a guy like him, there's so many outs for the unders um, that, yeah, like if you're going to attack him, you'd want to attack the unders. 
and just schematically speaking as well, with the way Baltimore's receiving corpse has been trending with everyone missing time and guys out of the lineup, defenses are going to be able to force Lamar to throw. And, you know, and especially now with J.K. Dobbins out, like it, Lamar is the main focus of the defense and containing him. I mean, it, it has been before, but it just gets a little easier with, with what's going on in Baltimore. So, yeah, a uh, lot of outs there. Who you got for we're going to do four each for for each uh, type of props. So who's he, which is your fourth one for QBs? My my fourth one is a fun one. Uh, I want to bank on Tua Tungavilla having a bounce back year two. So I'm going with mm. over 3,900 passing yards. Um, you know, his rookie season was really rough. He didn't make his first start until week eight because they had Ryan Fitzmagic. Um, and then he was benched in game in week 11. And, you know, we kind of know the rest from there. But, you know, he was coming off a hip injury. Um, it was a COVID deleted offseason. It was really tough for him as a rookie. I think the offense um, under Changeli was tailored for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, so I think that, you know, heading in this year, he's looked a lot better. I mean, I've watched every preseason snap. Um, he's played and he looks like a brand new quarterback. It's, it's almost like he should have sat out last season. That's how much better he looks. Um, so that's why I'm very uh, bullish on him this year now. Um, and he has Jalen Waddle, who's looked great. And Will Fuller, we haven't really seen Will Fuller much, but he will be healthy for about 10 games at least. Um, so <laughs> I think he's going to bring that extra element to, to his game. Fuller has always made uh, the quarterback look good. So I think that's going to help. And, and then Mike Jasicki. And Devontae Parker is still there. So I, I love to, uh, I know you think that Jacoby Brissett might, um, you know, be a threat of an in-game matching, but I think Tua has looked good enough where uh, I, I'm betting against that this year. And I love the over 3,900 yards. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's that. I think it's your recency bias from watching Tua destroy the Falcons' backups. <laughs> <laughs> I know well, you had some action on that, and you, and you cashed your you cashed. So you know, um, well, it's better than nothing. I, I, I obviously <laughs> don't want to say I'm um, taking too much away from preseason, but it's better than nothing, right? I mean, he he did look a lot better. And oh, absolutely. That's that's all we can ask for with Tua. Is we, we know he's talented, um, and last year he had a lot of excuses, but this is a make or break year. You hate to say that for a second year player, but it really is. Um, and I think he, he's looked a lot better than I expected. The interesting thing to me, I mean, you know, I'm, I usually stay away from the overs, but one, one thing that scares me is the Deshaun Watson trade rumors. I don't think it, there's a much of a chance that Watson gets traded to Miami and plays, yeah. but Miami has been right there at the top of the list with the Philadelphia Eagles as the teams that he's been rumored to. So does that factor in at all? Like I know earlier in the off season, we talked about kind of factoring Aaron <laughs> Rodgers potential landing spots. Like is, is Watson a factor in your predictions at all at this yeah, point? Or is it just moot? It, it's moot because he's, he's uncapable. I can't even think of words. To describe. <laughs> um, but in, in those situations, wouldn't like either hurts or Tua now become the Texans quarterback. Like I can't imagine there be a trade where they're all of a sudden backing up Watson, right? Like I, I don't know. Like, it seems like they would still start for somebody in those situations, right? You would think. I mean, Tua Tagovailoa, second-year player, uh, you know, a it is a Texans. Well, talented give, guy. Give Watson away for free. Like, they don't even ask for either quarterback. Like, <laughs> Imagine, I, I don't know. Like, it's Brissett. They'll, they'll, they'll get Brissett. Yeah, <laughs> they'll platoon Brissett and Tyrod. Yeah. So, I, here. I, how can you factor that in? Obviously, there, there that is some risk. Anytime you're taking it over, Mm-hmm. For a season long prop, you know, it's, it's not fun. Uh, but that's, you know, that's part of the fun is 
I, I want fun. Tua to have a bounce back here, and I'm just kind of ignoring the noise with the Deshaun Watson situation, which I think you can. I think it's it's a low probability he's going to play for anybody this year. So I think that something like that, I, I'm basically ignoring on this prop. Okay, it's not a prize picks prop, but I got a prop for you real quick. Over <laughs> under, games played this season combined, uh, 17 and a half, Will Fuller plus Deshaun Jackson. Oh, Deshaun Jackson and Will Fuller. Um, I want to root for the over, so I'm taking the <laughs> over. Um, but I think, yeah, both will be around nine or ten games. <laughs> so, That'll be an improvement for Deshaun. That's a good luck. Yeah, <laughs> he's like what two games in the past three seasons or something? But yeah, like yeah, two three games. Yeah, I, I want to see them play more than that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the over here. I'm gonna be a donkey and take the over. I, I still can't believe that Will Fuller. Got suspended last year. I mean, <laughs> I, I was, I remember screaming it out. Like, don't, don't like label a guy injury prone. You know, he's going to have a great year. And then he was doing exactly what I thought he would do. And then he did exactly what everyone else thought he would do and miss games and not because of injury, but because he, you know, he was enhancing his maybe, performance. So he didn't get injured. Yeah. See, it canceled itself out. Like that's the only reason maybe he stayed healthy. Who knows? But yeah, of course he gets suspended. So yeah, I just I just hope we don't see too much Albert Wilson in in Miami. I oh, feel like right. they, I keep hearing about him in camp, and it's you know I'm like oh man, it's like <laughs> if we see too much of him, we know it's probably things yeah, aren't probably it's, going well. Uh, it's going to be way better than last year. I remember last year didn't they have like six or seven running back slash wide receiver hybrids? Lynn Bowden, Lynn Bowden, Malcolm Perry, I think, who looked uh, again looked pretty good in preseason. Is he going to make the team? I don't know. Is, I, like I don't think I have well, him projected to make the team. Who knows? But Jakeem Grant, all those low A dot kind of guys, like Tua was dealing with that last year. Just uh, if we can get Will Fuller to stay healthy for ten plus games, you know, Tua is going to crush this prop. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jalen Waddle, don't underestimate him. Oh, I mean, yeah. that's a that's a talent right there. That could change yep. your whole, uh, you know, your whole stat line if you're a quarterback. So exactly, I'm going to round out our quarterback props with Matt Ryan. I'm going under 29 and a half passing touchdowns. So Matt Ryan would essentially need to play every game and average 1.7 touchdowns per game. He's averaged 1.6 per game or fewer in three of the last four years. He's, you know, going to a new offensive coordinator. Um, obviously, you know, there's just a lot of change. Julio Jones is gone. Remember, even when Matt Ryan had some really good years under, uh, had that really good year under Kyle Shanahan, that first year he struggled. You never know if Matt Ryan is going to pick up the, the new offense, you know, as quick as you, you know, as, and just kind of revert to his, you know, crazy ceiling performances, especially now a year older, especially without Julio Jones. So uh, I think, yeah, Matt Ryan still has some decent weapons with Ridley and, and Kyle Pitts, but I think there's a low floor here. And again, he would have to play every game and average more touchdowns than he's averaged with a better supporting cast uh, in three of the last four years. So uh, I think Ryan is being a little bit inflated here uh, at 29 and a half. Uh, I have a couple of touchdowns lower. So going under the 29 and a half uh, for Matt Ryan past touchdowns. Yeah. I, lo I love that call. And, you know, even though Julio left and he wasn't really a touchdown scorer at all, you know, he didn't score 10 plus touchdowns for about a decade now. Uh, he still allowed others to score mm -hmm. touchdowns. 
So I think without him there, you know, like Calvin Ridley is going to see more double teams. Uh, it's going to hurt Matt Ryan. So, yeah, love the pick. Although, did you see Kyle – speaking of uh, overreacting to preseason, did you see the one catch by Kyle Pitts? He looked pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> he's he's going to be good. Uh, I he's going to be a beast. My only issue with him, people are just taking him at his like t- ceiling. Like that's right. Like I, I'm trying to draft him and I get him sometimes, but so much less than guys like Hawkinson. Cause just at the end of a tier. So yeah, I got draft it, him the beginning, our, the end in the beginning. In our 15 second timer draft last night, I got him as the tight end six. I didn't really get to think about it much, but um, it's nice when he falls to you at the end of that tier. Usually it's TJ Hawkinson, but I think that he's he's good enough to at least rank inside that top six. But yeah, I think people, you know, taking him tight end four, you know, definitely take him closer to ceiling. Yeah, it'll be it will be a fun pick. So yeah. I don't hate it, but in terms of the the, the median outcome, yeah, I think uh, I think it, he's more likely than not to be a, to to be find it tough to beat his ADP by a lot, even if he kind of hits yeah. value. So. All right, so those are our quarterback props. Prize Picks operates in every U.S. state and Canada, except for the following Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Idaho, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Maryland, Maine, Missouri, Montana, Mississippi, Nevada, New Hampshire, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, and Washington. All users that deposit and use our promo Action One Zero will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the easy way to play daily fantasy. It's daily fantasy simplified. You pick two to five players and an over under on their projections, and you can win up to 10x on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize Picks has a ton of stats to choose from, including yards, receptions, touchdowns, fantasy points, and more. Prize Picks allows mixed sport entries. You can take the over on LeBron, for example, combined with the under on Mahomes in the same entry. Prize Picks offers every sport you could think of, like NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. Prize Picks has an award-winning, easy-to-use mobile app, both on the App Store and in Google Play. Prize Picks is a 4.8-star rated app in the App Store with rave reviews. Prize Picks entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers lightning quick withdrawals. Let's go to running back. So we're talking either rushing yards, receiving yards, or uh, touchdowns. So start us off. What running back prop be going with first? So this one I think I stole from you because I think you're on the same page with this. But uh, DeAndre oh, yeah. Swift under 900 rushing yards. Um, you know he he is over his growing injury. It looks like, but um, you know head coach Dan Campbell has been saying he doesn't think is. Uh, conditioning's up to snuff, so he might start the season in a fairly limited role. You know, they brought in Jamal Williams, so I think they're comfortable splitting the work. And honestly, this could end up being more of a 50-50 backfield regardless of when Swift is healthy. So, um, you know, offensive coordinator Anthony Lynn has made some cryptic comments when it comes to things like that. So uh, I love the under here. And, you know, this Lions team should be mostly in trailing game scripts. 
Um, so I don't like Swift's rushing upside as much. You know, for fancy, I still think he's a pretty good pick as a you know, low end RB2 if you can get him in that range because of his receiving upside. So when we get a prop like this where it's just his rushing yards, um, I love that because I think his floor is a little bit lower um, when it comes to rushing yards because of Jamal Williams. Whereas, you know, these trailing game scripts are going to favor his receiving usage. So that's why I love attacking uh, under 900 rushing yards. I would set this lower um, and put it maybe around 850. Um, I, I just think when you have a player that's not even entering the season 100%, um, you, you tend to downgrade them a little bit more than you would other players. Um, so that's why I love this under. Yeah, I have it at... Let's see. I know I have it even lower than 850. Yeah, I have it about around 750. Uh, and the reason is there, there are just so many red flags with Swift beyond just the availability concerns in week one. Projecting him for an increase in carries is exactly that. It's a projection. He averaged 8.8 carries per game last year. And remember, this is now not the regime that drafted him. So even though... You know, a lot of people are high on DeAndre Swift and uh, he's a young guy entering year two, second round pick, 35th overall last season. That was a Matt Patricia pick. That wasn't a Dan Campbell pick. And there's just been a lot of, like you said, cryptic comments and nothing really too positive coming out of Lions camp about DeAndre Swift. So the writing's on the wall and he would, he would almost have to, he, he had 521 yards in 13 games last year. Uh, so you would have to have a pretty big uptick and stay pretty healthy to, to, to get to that number. So I don't think he's going to come close to a thousand yards this year. Uh, you know, I could be wrong. He's a talented guy. Yeah. Detroit's line is not half bad at all, but just a lot of things would have to go right. A lot more outs toward the under lower floor. So uh, I like that one. I'm going with uh, my first one. For running backs, Miles Sanders going under seven and a half rushing touchdowns. And this is a kind of a similar situation to Lamar Jackson, where you look at Sanders and he had six scores last year, but one was from 82 yards out and another was from 74 yards out. You cannot bank on runs. You can't even bank on a guy getting that long of a run period, much less that long of a touchdown run uh, in a given season. So uh, I think that there's going to be some regression there. We don't know exactly what Sanders' role is going to be because this is another team with a new regime. Uh, I keep hearing that they're going to keep Jordan Howard around for short yardage, which Ooh. would directly impact Miles Sanders' touchdown upside. But for his career, if you just want to go back and, and kind of split split the difference and, and just look, say, okay, what has he done in his career? He has nine rushing scores on 343 carries. That is a rate of 2.6%. So he would need 307 carries to get to eight touchdowns, uh, given his career rate. So you do have some wiggle room because I doubt Miles Sanders gets anywhere close to 300 carries. I think somewhere in the low 200s is where he's going to end up, uh, you know, even in the, even if he plays close to the full season. So I think you have some nice wiggle room here with Miles Sanders and, and his touchdowns and this Eagle offense, we still don't know how they're going to utilize Jalen hurts down in the, in the red zone. So uh, last year hurts didn't, I think he only had one carry inside the, inside the 10 yard line. So, you know, we don't know exactly what his role is going to be. There's just a lot of uncertainty and uh, a, a guy that really hasn't been a, a touchdown scorer in his career on an offense that may not be, uh, a very high scoring offense. So I like the under seven and a half. 
Yeah, I love that, Colin. Like you said, like he's going to have a lot of competition for the short yardage rushing touchdowns. Jalen Hurts, number one. You know, Jordan Howard, if he stays on the team, I think he will be the goal line back. And even Boston Scott, for being a tiny back, he's actually been pretty effective um, in goal line situations. He's scored a touchdown on four carries, uh, four times on five carries inside the five, which is bizarre because such a tiny back. But they they have a bunch of different options they could use. So it's the competition that makes uh, my projection for Sanders pretty low. I'm at 6.8 right now, but. Like you said, there's there's a lot more reasons to, you know, favor the under. There's a lot more outs. Um, so, yeah, love the under seven and a half. Yep. Miles Sanders just kind of he's in a weird purgatory for me in drafts, too. Right. Like, mm. have you been getting a lot of Sanders in, in fantasy? No, but I mean, he is going late enough where, you know, if you get him at the end of the RB2 tier, he's not horrible. But, you know, he is going to have to compete with we already said you know, Hertz and Howard for goal line scores. Uh, Gainwell looks really good as a pass mm-hmm. catching back. So we already know that Sanders is going to be limited in that role. But, you know, with Gainwell and Scott, like uh, it's it's always been tough for me to trust Eagles running backs and it hasn't gotten better. But at least his ADP is low enough where I think this time last year, wasn't he like a low end RB1 um, yeah. with, you know, similar concerns, I guess. But um, he's if he goes cheap enough, I would, I would grab him, but you, you're just not expecting him to, you know, go off this year. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, he's kind of, uh, yeah, purgatory. Like I said, I, I have him yeah. as the RB24. I, I like the under on his rushing yards profit prize pick as well. They have it at a thousand. So Ooh. I have him at 925 and that's with averaging 13 carries per game and 4.6 yards per carry, which is still pretty good. And uh, I still have him coming up about 75 yards short of that. So uh, about a, again, about a game game, a little over a game short. So like the under on his seven and a half touchdowns, like the under on his uh, 1000 rushing yards, Miles Sanders. Uh, where are you going next, Sean, for running backs? I'm going under a thousand rushing yards for James Robinson. Ooh, um, we love James Robinson here. I know. I do too. <laughs> I do too. Um, you know, th- this line has settled at a thousand after the post Travis Etienne season ending injury adjustment. Um, and I think it's a little bit too high, but I- I'm pretty close to be honest. Um, you know, he came out of nowhere last year as an undrafted rookie, only Dominic Rhodes rushed for more rushing yards than him as an undrafted rookie um, back in 2001. Um, so that's, that's a little bit of history for you, but um, you know, this is a new coaching staff. You already mentioned it when it came to DeAndre Swift, this coaching staff, uh, well, nobody drafted James Robinson, uh, but yeah. they drafted, <laughs> they did draft Travis, Travis Etienne in the first round. So that must tell you something, but you know, when you look at last year's game logs, the, the Jaguars literally had nobody to compete with Robinson, they had uh, uh, Reichel Armstead uh, wasn't able to suit up at all last year, unfortunately, due to COVID. Um, so they had Chris Thompson um, steal a couple of carries every other game uh, from James Robinson. That was about it. Um, and he's still, you know, he, he had a great season. He rushed for uh, 1,070 yards. Uh, but now he does have Carlos Hyde there, who's absolutely going to take away, you know, a handful of carries a game. So I just think there's a lower floor for Robinson. Um, and if anything, you know, Hyde's going to eat into his um, rushing work. James Robinson should still be very active as a pass catcher. So I think they'll use him exclusively there and, you know, be a workhorse back. But I still think Carlos Hyde 
is sort of enough of a threat where, you know, I would put this closer to like 950 yards. Um, this is another prop where I think there's more outs for the under to hit just because there's uncertainty, even though I know we love James Robinson, but still, you know, he's an undrafted rookie with a new coaching regime. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to have to have a really good season uh, to surpass this. Yeah, I have, a, I have it pretty much on the the line at prize pick. I am at 986 uh, there at 1,000. So I don't see as much value in it. I, I kind of worry about Carlos Hyde. I mean, Carlos Hyde's 31. So I don't know just how much or how effective he's going to be at taking carries away from Robinson over a full season. I mean, Robinson was one of the best players on an offense in the NFL last year. So I wouldn't, I like, I, I think there's some, there's like a wide range of outcomes and I, I would always bet unders on running backs. So I would, I have, again, I have it 15 yards short. So if I had to choose, I would go under, but Robinson is a guy that I would be interested in some, you know, long shots, seeing what, yeah. what's out there, you know, for some upside. Like the know. ceiling, right? Right, you know, yeah, can you lead the league in rushing yards, something like that, you know, that that's that's how I would kind of attack him, because I yeah, do those, think we might be underestimating him again. Right, no, I, I don't underestimate him, but if you look, I think he had 10 or 11 games where he had 100% of the yeah, games. Yeah, he did. Like, how he often did. do you ever see that? It's so rare, but it, that that's more of how the Jaguars running back situation was last year. It was such a mess that I just think uh, I'm not saying Carlos Hyde is good or anything like that. Just he's going to have some competition. That's all I'm saying. Again, I do like him for fantasy because he still will dominate the receiving usage. I don't think Carlos Hyde's going to factor into that as much. So I, I still love him for fantasy. I just think his rushing uh, yards is, is what I'm trying to attack here. Yeah. Where do you have him for uh, in half PPR now? Robinson. Uh, I, I think RB 13, you know, high, high end RB two. Yeah. I have him um, at 16. So like right after that, Edwards, Elaire. Oh, I have him ranked higher than you. See who's doubting yeah. James yeah. Robinson now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, but yeah, it's kind of the same area, you know, there's. Yeah. Like Najee Harris and James Robinson is a coin flip for me. Like right in that, that range. Yeah. That's, I, I still go Najee. Um, but it's, yeah, I can't really argue with it. Uh, I just think, like you said, the uh, Robinson last year just had that huge workload. And I think Najee actually might have a better chance at getting that close to hundred percent usage this yeah. year because I've Benny <laughs> Snell. I mean, is he, he might not make the team McFarland's probably going to be the number two Bellage is there, but I mean, it's, they, they drafted Harris to be at workhorse. So um, you can't, I, in my opinion, you can't really go wrong with, with either of them. You do have to pay, uh, a higher premium for Harris. So I do see the point of waiting and getting Robinson a little bit later. Uh, all right, let's go to my second running back prop and I'm going Saquon under 1,075 rushing yards at prize picks. And for me, when we've talked about this ad nauseum, there's issues for me with Saquon, not just in the availability, but even if he's out there uh, also, the efficiency because this offensive line ranked dead last by pro football focus entering the season. They, they dealt with some guys retiring. No one, you know, if you pay attention to the camp reports, no one's really improved or taken a, a big step forward. None of the young guys. So I worry about this offensive line and that we might get, uh, you know, some of those games that like only Saquon Barkley can is really given you over the past couple of years, like 13 for one or eight for 10. I mean, that's not a knock on him. It's just the old line. 
sometimes for the Giants, just, you know, it, 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 it can come and go. You know, they, they did well at some points last year. You know, Wayne Gallman was a decent, uh, had, had some decent value, but, you know, you combine the health risks with the, the low fo- floor efficiency-wise, and I think Barkley's going to – he probably can't miss more than, than one or two games to hit this number. Uh, and he has to be pretty efficient, like, you know, four, six, four, seven yards per carry. I have him at four, three, uh, you know, yards per carry is one of those stats that regresses a lot. Uh, it's hard, you know, even if you have a guy with a high yards per carry, that doesn't mean it's going to be that going forward. So uh, I think there are a lot of outs for Saquon uh, to go under 1,075 yards. I have him about a hundred short uh, this year. Mm-hmm. Love it. I was able to get this on prize picks when it was 1200 just like a week ago. So I think the market's catching up. Like we've been banging the drum that, you know, he's not going to enter the season hundred percent. He's been pretty inefficient, even when he has been healthy again, all the blame can be put on the offensive line, Jason Garrett, whatever you, wherever you want to put the blame, but he has a lot of things going against him. That's why um, I, I agree with you completely. And I'm going to piggyback this and say, I, I also love the under nine and a half rushing touchdowns. For a lot of the same reasons, but, um, you know, he's going to have to rely on these long touchdown runs, which aren't really sticky. If there's any running back that can, you know, score a bunch of long touchdowns, uh, it's Saquon Barkley. But again, I I do like banking against that. Um, And, you know, this this Giants offense isn't really capable of providing him with a ton of goal line work. Um, And actually, if you look at his career, he hasn't been a good goal line back, which kind of makes sense because he's sort of a home run hitter. He's kind of a high ceiling, low floor kind of runner. So around the goal line, he struggled. He's he scored seven touchdowns on 27 rush attempts inside the five. That's a 26 percent rate. Now, granted, you expect running backs to regress closer to the 42 percent average. um, And Saquon Barkley is an above average running back, but still his running style isn't really conducive to, you know, goal line situations. So that's why I think taking the under for his rushing touchdowns is also a good bet because again, you're banking on him, you know, scoring a ton of long touchdowns to hit the over. Um, So that's why I like going against this. Giants averaged 17 and a half points per game last year, second to last in the league. So they're just, might not be that many touchdowns to go around. I think they'll be improved with Barkley back in the lineup and some of the, you know, assuming Gallaudet can get healthy, the offense should be improved, but the O-line still going to be an issue. Daniel Jones hasn't really proven himself as a consistent guy that's going to be able to score you, you know, 24, 27 points week in, week out. So, you know, even if Barkley is healthy, you could have a situation where he falls short of this number. So I, I like it. I have it, I have it closer to seven. So yeah, on 231 carries. So it's not like I don't, wow. I'm not giving him carries, but uh, yeah, I think, I think these, the, the, the touchdown numbers, it's easy to kind of get caught up in the name, but at the end of the day, and again, it, there was a, a, a record high, in terms of rushing touchdowns last year. So if that regresses closer to the the mean, you also could see a a drop. I mean, there was 1.0 rushing touchdowns per game last year. That's the first time that happened since 1985. Wow. You know what I mean? Like that's, that will keep up maybe, but maybe not. And then I I feel like that's kind of factored into this projection at at nine and a half. That's, that's yeah. high for me. Like that's, 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 that's very high. So I like that under 
uh, as well. So we're fading Saquon. We're still fading Saquon on this pod, uh, <laughs> as we've been doing all off season long on the fantasy flex. Uh, all right. So my next one is going to be another very good running back that uh, I think the number is just so high that it gives you some outs and that's Nick Chubb, uh, under 1,350 rushing yards. That is just a huge number to hit. And if anything happens, like for example, last year, Chubb missed four games. You're going to, you're not going to hit that total because again, yards per carry, it takes almost 2000 carries for career yards per carry to stabilize. Nick Chubb is at 680 for his career and he's averaging 5.2 yards per attempt. So that is very, very good, but we can't expect him to necessarily even, and I know they have a great offensive line, probably the best in the league, but still that's how unpredictable yards per carry is. There's a lot of variance there. So 5.2 is not what I have him projected for. I have him closer to 4.7, 4.8, which is still, I think the highest for any running back in my, in my model. So uh, it still loves Nick Chubb, but uh, for him to, to do that, he's going to, he's going to have to pretty much not miss a game and continue his crazy efficiency numbers. I just think there's a lot of, of outs and you still have Kareem Hunt here. So you never know what could happen in any given game. You know, maybe the Browns are, are, you know, winning a little bit and they end up using Hunt a little more to spell Chubb because they want to keep him healthy for the playoffs. He's at, he averaged 15.8 carries per game last year. So that, I mean, for, for 1,350 yards, you're going to need that five, you know, mid five uh, efficiency. And I, I just don't think you can bank on that. And at the same time, bank on him to do that and stay healthy for a full season. So going under the uh, 1,350 for Nick Chubb. I mean, obviously your analysis is sharp there, but I can't go against my boy. <laughs> I just can't do it, especially when it comes to rushing yards. Uh, so I'm going to stay away from this one, but again, really sound analysis. Um, but I do have him still projected to rush for over like 5.3 yards per carry. Uh, yeah. 5.2 yards per carry. I mean, if you just look at, Next gen stats, you know, they track um, expected yards per carry, factoring in all the different, um, you know, like things where the linemen are, where the defenders are. And he's number one almost every season. Um, so I think he will keep it up. And the offensive line might be even better this year. There's just a lot of reasons to like Nick Chubb. You, you brought up a good point. Like he's, he's missed time. Um, and Kareem Hunt obviously is a threat. So there, there's some outs for the under. I just can't bring myself to do it personally. I get it. I feel like this is not <laughs> going to be a popular one, even among the listeners. Cause again, you see some of these big names and you know, good back, good old line. You're like, all right, I'm not betting the under, but the, a lot of times these are the ones with the, with the most value because so much has to go right for a guy to get over yeah. 1,350 rushing yards to the point where if you like him to do that again, I think there are other ways to kind of attack, uh, you know, Nick Chubb this season than just going over. So uh, yeah, I'm going under. All right, next up, I'm taking running back I love, but uh, A.J. Dillon under 690 rushing yards. Um, this is one of those things where I haven't projected pretty close to this, but he has a wide range of outcomes. I mean, are there scenarios where um, Aaron Jones misses 10-plus games and or A.J. Dillon breaks out for a 1,000-yard rushing season? Of course. <laughs> um, I'm kind of banking on that in some of my leagues that, you know, Dylan will hit his ceiling this year. I think he's crazy talented, but you know, 
the most likely situation is Aaron Jones plays in 15 or 16 games um, and AJ Dillon finishes under rushing for around 600 yards, I think. Um, so in order to go over this, I think he's going to have to average over 10 carries a game. Um, and I, I just don't know if we could project that quite yet. Uh, and I know that they want to get him involved in the passing game. You know, they did lose Jamal Williams and they want Dylan to get more involved in the passing game. So I don't think he's going to be just, you know, the change of pace back on the ground. I think they will get him involved in that. But I think this is Aaron Jones backfield still. I think he's going to dominate the touches. He could, you know, have a career year. So I think that, that that's going to limit A.J. Dillon. 690 is pretty high for a backup. Again, he does have a high ceiling because if Aaron Jones misses time, he's going over this number, but I think we can bet against Aaron Jones missing, you know, more than three games. That's why I think the median is lower than this. I think it'd be around 600. So that's why I do like this under. Yeah. I have him at 612 and on 139 carries. So I'm, I'm right with you. I'm about what 60 yards under you're about 70 or no, you're about, I'm about 75 yards under you're about 85. So yeah, yeah. it's uh you know, the median outcome is short of this number. And that's what you're looking for when you make your prize pick entries or, uh, you know, enter your uh, props. So yeah, like the Dylan under think he has huge upside, but you can attack that in, in different ways. Cause you can draft him in fantasy. You can, especially yeah. in like a, you know, best ball formats, zero RB or hero RB like strategies. Yeah. Like there's a lot of ways to attack AJ Dylan's upside uh, but median outcome still think 690 yards is, is too high. So I agree. My last one I'm going for running backs for my last one for running backs. I am going Daryl Henderson under 850 rushing yards. He would need to average over 50 yards a game. If he played all 17 games to hit that number, he's never averaged more than 42 in a season. And with the Sony Michelle acquisition, there's a lot of uncertainty here. And also, again, that, you know, he would need to average over 50 in a, in a, you know, playing every game. If he misses the one to two games that running backs normally miss, that's going to go up. And we just don't know exactly how many carries Henderson's going to get on a weekly basis. And, uh, you know, I always like betting against guys setting career highs. That's one of the ways that I kind of attack these markets, especially when in doubt. Or, or, you know, I just like, okay, is this, am I going to bet on a guy to go over something to hit his career higher? Or am I just going to bet on the under and have all these different outs? And um, I think the Rams could be a little more pass happy because you have Matthew Stafford and a, a loaded receiving core this year. So uh, just a lot of different ways. And, and Henderson maybe you know, he's probably going to be more of the receiving back now because Michelle yep. hasn't really played that role. So there's a non-zero chance that both of those guys could stay healthy and Michelle could even end up with more carries, you know, maybe not a ton more, but he could have, you know, it, it could be kind of split with, with Henderson getting the bulk of the receiving uh, usage. So just a, a lot of ways, I think, to go under this number, not even accounting for, you know, the workload. Cause Henderson, he's never really been a high workload guy in college or in the, uh, in the pro. So under 850 rushing yards for Daryl Henderson of the Rams. Yeah, I, I love this one uh, as well. And, you know, I, I agree with you when it comes to against guys setting career highs, but it does make it tougher knowing there's an extra game this year. Uh, yeah, to, yeah. Oh, yeah. After that ends. But I think that the Sony Michelle edition definitely adds uncertainty. It lowers Henderson's floor and ceiling 
quite a bit, especially in the the running game. Like you said, like Michelle's going to eat into his, uh, you know, his carries, not his reception. So that's why I, I love the under 850 as well. All right. So that those are our running back props. Let's move on to the receiver, wide receivers and tight ends. Who you got first for wide out tight end, Sean? So uh, this is the only one that isn't fun, in my opinion, because I do want him to have a good rookie season. But that's under on Jamar Chase, 1,025 receiving yards. Uh, I, I had to do it. Um, but, you know, there have been 40 wide receivers drafted in the first round over the past decade and only five of them have gone over this number. Granted, we play an extra game this year. I know that. But, um, you know, and Chase is obviously considered a top prospect. Um, There's no denying that. But, you know, he did sit out last season and he has been rusty in camp. Uh, So has Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has been rusty. They haven't been able to get on the same page. Um, Jamar Chase has dropped four straight passes in the preseason. Again, (laughs) I'm not overreacting the preseason, but I would love to see him you know, giving more confidence going into week one. So I think he could get off to a slow start. Um, but, you know, he he does have competition too. T. Higgins, I know you love T. Higgins. Yep. Uh, he's going to have a year two breakout. They have Tyler Boyd, um, CJ Uzoma. Apparently the coach wants to get him over 50 or something. No, you, you're going to just stop after Boyd. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't think any of those tight ends are going to factor into like has, Lamar Chase's. Well, that's what I thought the coach was saying that. Um, but I think he has so much competition. He's not your typical... Um, first round pick that goes to a situation where there's nobody there. That's what I'm getting at. He does yeah. have competition. So he's going to need a lot to go right to go over this. And again, we talk about outs. I mean, if Joe Burrow were to miss any time, he's going to go under this as well because Brandon Allen can't support T Higgins, Tyler Boyd and Jamar chase at the same time. So there's a lot of different angles here. Again, I think chase by the end of the season, I think he's going to be that wide receiver too talent that we know like he's going to finish strong but i think the the slow start that i'm expecting i think is going to help us stay under this pace so i i do like the under uh 1025 receiving yards yeah and again i like what you said about just looking back at first round picks and the median outcome because it's very instructive because you, you're comparing them directly to guys you know with a similar draft pedigree with similar talent and you know not all these guys smash in year one, we remember the guys that do. We remember the Justin Jeffersons. We remember the Odell Beckhams. We remember those guys, but there are a lot of guys that have decent to good seasons and they'll fall short of these big numbers that are out there uh, for some of these rookies. You know, I think in general, rookie numbers have been a little inflated across the board here. So uh, I like that under as well. I'm going with Denzel Mims under 550 receiving yards. Look, he's behind Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Jamison Crowder is going to play in the slot. Keelan Cole can play any receiver position. Mims is behind four guys at least on the depth chart. This is a guy who was not drafted by this regime. He was drafted by Adam Gase. So will he average 40 receiving yards a game this year? like he did last year in, you know, in nine games, I doubt it because he started eight games last year. So this year, I don't know if he starts at all, just given the the New York Jets depth chart, because even he has to, he has to separate from Keelan Cole just to become the fourth receiver. And he was running with the third team, third string team at one point in camp. Now I think that had to do with, he was going through some weight loss issues, I believe it was. So I don't think that was like, I think he's more talented than that, but this Jets receiving core is crowded 
And there are just a lot of guys ahead of him uh, for, for targets and 550 yards. You know, that's, that's not anything to sneeze at. You're still going to have to play as more than the, you know, the fourth, fifth receiver usually to get that many, to get that many receiving yards. So uh, I think Mims comes up short of this and, you know, he's, he had, he only played in, uh, nine games last year, he had some injury, some some issues earlier in camp. So he also may not stay healthy. We don't know if he'll do that either. So uh, like the under Mims 550. Yeah, I hate that this is such a sharp play because I think, you know, Mims, he's so talented, but this is he a is. regime that took him. So, I mean, uh, not to root against your prop here, but imagine if he were to get traded to like the Chiefs or the Saints or something, some other team that will start him. Um, you know, I'd love to see that because he, I think he is really talented. I think he could be a good starting wide receiver, but I don't think it's happening this year. Like you said, he's sort of a second, third teamer, unfortunately. So yeah, under 550 yards, a lot of things are going to have to go his way uh, to go over this. All right. Who you got up next? Uh, so I'm taking Darnell Mooney over 705 receiving yards. I think uh, we're going to see a year or two breakout for him. Um, you know, he managed to put up 631 yards last year, uh, despite poor quarterback play. Um, and he's very capable of being a deep threat. And that that really wasn't unlocked last year at all. Um, he had 27 targets um, of over 20, yard, 20 air yards last year, which ranked 10th in the league. Um, and only six of those targets were catchable. So if you look at all the receivers that had 10 or more targets um, of o- over 20 yards, um, he had the second worst catchable ball rate. So I think it's needless to say, if he has improved quarterback play, which I think they will have with Justin Fields this year, um, I think they're going to unlock that deep potential that he does have. Um, so it doesn't, he doesn't have to do much to exceed last year's numbers, but I think he's going to crush those. I haven't projected over 800 yards. Um, so I, I love this over here, especially after, you know, they trade away Anthony Miller, the number three receiver is sort of up in the air between Marquise Goodwin or Demir Bird. Like there's not much competition um, aside from Allen Robinson. And honestly, Allen Robinson is going to draw double teams. I think it's just going to unlock Mooney even more. Uh, so I love betting on Mooney having year two breakout this year. That's why I love the over 705 receiving yards. Yeah, I have him at 66 for 762. So I'm about 60 yards over uh, as well. And I do like Mooney. He's, he was constantly breaking open last year deep and they couldn't really find him. Uh, He'll do some things close to the line of scrimmage as well. They'll need him to, but yeah, he definitely has upside with that deep ball. And you talk about the number three receiver, you know, who's a dark horse for that role. Rodney Adams, Rodney Adams has been killing in the preseason. Uh, He, I mean, you talk like Marquis Goodwin, Demir bird, those guys aren't exactly, you know, entrenched. So I wouldn't be yeah. surprised to see Adams be they're, that number three. They're probably just going to run a lot more two tight end sets, right? With Komet and Graham. We, I, think. I mean, we think, but who knows, man? I mean, is, is that really what, like, I don't know if that's better than just having like any, like somebody, yeah, somebody going deeper downfield because you got to open things up a little bit. You know, you got Robinson, you got, I got, I, I, don't, I think that clogs up the field. I mean, Jimmy Graham did have eight touchdowns last year. So uh, who knows, who knows what the bears are thinking, but remember last year when they got all those tight ends, like at one point and then they ended up cutting like all of them. So yeah. they do love their tight ends. So they I wouldn't, love their tight ends. yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, they got Jesse James there now. So I think either way, I think Mooney is a lock for 90% uh, routes run 
per drop back, I would say. Yeah. No matter how this sorts out, he's going to be on the field. Yeah, that's what he was doing down a stretch. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Anthony Miller, a guy who's established, is gone. So, yeah, whoever's that third receiver is going to, I think, lag behind and, and, and be situational. But, but Mooney should be on the field pretty much every snap. Uh, for my second receiving prop, I'm going with Blake Jarwin. So 525 receiving yards is the line at prize pick. So love putting the under Jarwin in an entry. He would need to average about 31 yards per game to, you know, play all 17 to go over that. He's never averaged more than 23 in his career. And in the Cowboys preseason tune-up, Dalton Schultz, who remember had a pretty good year once Jarwin went down, uh, Schultz actually outsnapped Jarwin 12 to 10 uh, in that tune-up. I have them running pretty much the same amount of routes uh, this season. It's hard to know right now who will run more. I, you know, there's just been no indication that Jarwin's going to step back in and get that starting role all to himself, especially after Schultz played well uh, last year. And and he, uh, you know, he is coming off the, well, is an ACL, right? ACL, ACL, yeah, yeah. yeah. He is coming off of ACL, bigger guy. So, uh, you know, there could be a slow start here and, you know, also don't know about the health. So another guy who would be setting a career high if he went over that 525, uh, I like going under. I don't, I don't, and I just don't think the Cowboys tight ends are, are you know, they're going to be the fifth target of the five on the field at any given point for Dallas. So uh, like the under Jarwin 525. Yeah. Yeah. I love that call because, you know, Jarwin probably has the most upside out of the two tight ends, but I think people are underestimating how much of a, you know, tight end timeshare this is going to be. I think Schultz really proved last year that, you know, he's, he's a pretty good pass catching tight end. So they'll see what they have in him this year. I think they could be splitting, especially out of the gate, you know, like you said, Jarwin's coming off an ACL injury. So at least out of the gate, it's going to be more of a 50, 50 split. And that could get, you know, him on a rate where he's going to really have to go off later in the season to go over this uh, number. So I love this call as well. And wasn't Schultz always the better blocker. So the fact that he showed well, like Schultz used to just be that third tight end and like the blocking Guy. Yeah, but yeah, but the fact that he showed well in receiving, you could keep Jarwin in in that same kind of role he was almost with Jason Witten, you know, maybe a little more yeah. than that. But you know, Jarwin was kind of that receiving tight end that you would throw out there on certain certain types of situations. But yeah, I think I think he's going to be situational. So and like like you said, they're competing with you know Amari Cooper, Ceedee Lamb, and Michael Gallup. So the, the targets between the two are going to be few and far between. Yep. All right, who you got next? I'm going with Kadarius Tony under 505 receiving yards. Um, you know, he hasn't really gotten in much work at all in camp, which is a, a bad start because he's the type of player that will need to be schemed up in order to go over this number. Um, he's He should be a pretty low dot kind of player right around the line of scrimmage. He's going to be dangerous with the ball in his hands. Um, so he's the type of player that you kind of want to get integrated in the offense. It's unclear if offensive corner Jason Garrett's talented enough to kind of figure out how to unlock a player like Tony. Um, and he could be competing with Saquon Barkley for targets, you know, in that kind of around the line of scrimmage area. So I, I don't like Tony at all in year one. I think he's going to have has a steep learning curve, uh, maybe in year two. Um, he might be integrating the offense a bit more, but 500 yards for a player like him, he's going to have to see way more volume than I'm projecting. So I think, um, you know, I, I just don't see how he's going to go over this total, just given the, the lack of practice time, the lack of just really anything we've seen from him. So that's why I love this under 505 uh, receiving yards. Yeah. When we were planning out the, the pod and the 
which prize pick lines we were going to take, you know, and enter into these entries and talk about Tony was a guy that I wrote down and I saw that you already had him. I was like, ah, well, I, I've already bet Tony. Uh, I part, uh, I put Tony in an entry with uh, Brashad Perriman under. So I'm oh, hoping oh, that, oh. yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that that uh, is still the Perriman entry is still alive. Cause I have him with, uh, with Tony, both unders for receiving yards. And it's a little similar to Mims in that he's definitely going to be on the second string the plan was to bring him along slow all along. Mm-hmm. And then that you know, was exacerbated by the fact that he hasn't really been healthy in the, in the preseason either. So he hasn't got much time to practice. Uh, hasn't got many reps, you know, first round picks, you know, high, pretty high draft pick. There is some, some upside here, but median wise, it's going to take a lot for him to get uh, over 500. And especially Kyle Rudolph is, is, just, uh, you know, started getting back into the swing of things. I know the Giants do want to go to more too tight looks this year. Evan Ingram is is a little bit banged up. It got banged up in that preseason game, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, this could be a uh, more of a heavy personnel offense than it was in years past. So that also kind of limits the amount of on-field, you know, just snaps that, that Tony could get. So, and, and he could get a lot of his, you know, he could get a good amount of his yardage in a run game too. Like he could get decent yardage this year and it doesn't all have to come yeah. uh, through the air. So yeah, Tony was a guy that I had, I had circled as well. Uh, for me, I am going with Dallas Goddard for my third one under 675. So you look at him with Jalen Hurts and he was right around, you know, that 39 to 43 yard per game uh, yards per game. And in, in the three starts with Hurts, but Hurts threw for, you know, 350 plus in two of those starts. And if you look at the percentage of yardage that Goddard got of Hurts's passing yards in, in Hurts's three starts, because Goddard didn't play in that season finale when Hurts also got benched, Goddard got just 14% of Jalen Hurts yardage share. Now, Prize Picks has a Jalen Hurts passing yardage prop up that's 3,650. So take 14% of that and you're at just 517 yards. So again, this Goddard thing is like, it's number one. I don't know how, like if, if Hurts is going to be extremely beneficial to, you know, to tight ends. Uh, that's why I usually buy low on Ertz, who I think will run the same amount of routes or get traded to a team where he'll, he'll be, uh, you know, a, a starter. So uh, I'm kind of fading Goddard uh, in a lot of different ways and 675 receiving yards. I just think that's too high uh, for, for a guy that is either going to be sharing the PE one snaps, or it's just going to be on an offense where, you know, 3,650 3, passing yards. It's not a high ceiling offense in terms of yardage, you know, Hertz is going to get a lot of yardage on the ground. He likes to throw off script plays. I think you've talked about that. He likes to go off script and that usually benefits the outside receivers on the, on the scramble drill guys like Smith Rager. Uh, maybe you'll see uh Quez Watkins. I think, yep. uh, it, you know, was making a, a real play for more targets in this offense, which, you know, receivers were kind of hard to come by at times for the Eagles last year. So, um, you know, there could just be, there's just a lot too, way too much uncertainty, for, to bet Dallas Goddard to, to get to, uh, you know, I believe that this would be a career high for him too, right? Over 675. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, for not, sure. not the year. I think last year was the year that Goddard, and, and he actually had more yardage uh, two years ago because he played 
15 games. Last year, he only played 11. So maybe, maybe he's even an injury risk. Who knows? But uh, yeah, not, not the year for a Goddard career high, in my opinion. So well, going under 675. Yeah. And I mean, we're less than two weeks away from the season start and Zach Ertz is still an Eagle. So I think this, this prop has dropped significantly. I think it was like around 800. Oh, wow. A while ago. I'm trying to remember. Um, but yeah, I mean, we already talked about this every day that Zach Ertz is still in Philly. I've been lowering Dallas Goddard's projection <laughs> to where, yeah, it's, it's down around 600. Now it seems like Ertz is there to say, like you mentioned, you know, they have other weapons. Devonta Smith um, should be the number one target this year. Like I already mentioned, Kenneth Gainwell, they should use him in the passing game. There's just too many targets to go around. And this isn't an offense that's going to have a ton of passing volume to begin with. So love the Goddard under as well. Yeah, I'm around 550. 51 catches, 552 yards, uh, 4.1 touchdowns. That sounds about so. right. And you know I love Dallas Goddard. Like, I wanted nothing more than Ertz to go somewhere else and have Goddard unleashed. But unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's happening. Yeah, he's my tight end 11. Usually he goes higher than that. So yeah. I usually don't get him. But if he falls, I don't, I don't hate it. It's just, you know, he's still a top 12 tight end by the rankings, but he's just usually going higher than that. So that's why I'm fading him for, for the most part this uh, fantasy draft season. All right, last, uh, last receiving prop we got. All right, I'm going to end it with a bang with an Eric Ebron prop. <laughs> um, <laughs> you mean a drop? Uh, end it with a drop? I am taking, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I am, that's why I'm taking the under 500 and a half receiving yards for Eric Ebron. So not only does Ebron have to compete with Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster, you could throw James Washington in there. Now he has to compete with second-round rookie Pat Firemuth, um, also known as Baby Gronk, who has looked uh, – talk about overacting the preseason. Just one more guy um, has looked amazing. I, I thought he might you know, break out next year, um, potentially when Ebron's gone, but I, I think that he's going to factor in this year. So Ebron's, you know, probably going to be splitting playing time with the rookie by the end of the season. So that's why I think there's just multiple outs for this under. Um, you already mentioned Eric Ebron has his drop issues. Um, so give me the under 500 and a half receiving yards for Eric Ebron. Yeah, because when, when did Vance McDonald retire? Was it at the it was at the end of the 2019 season or was it like early yeah. into 2020? Ooh, I think he I think he may have started last year. Let me look. I don't think he played at all last year. Or maybe, maybe did he? Hmm. Oh yeah, no. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Oh yeah, he played. Wow. I totally forgot that he played 14 games. But yeah, so that, that that's much. <laughs> yeah, that's more to my point. It's like Vance McDonald, like Ebron got lucky last year because mm. Vance McDonald, I think, was supposed to be kind of that platoon guy. And I, he just really wasn't he didn't live up to that expectation. So I think fear moves could actually be more of a, a, a true platoon with, yeah. with Ebron this year, especially if Ebron, again, he just has these like maddening, maddening drops. And it's, it's frustrating for, I mean, I think they're going to go downfield a little bit more. You pointed out Roethlisberger's arm looks a lot better, but the more they're going downfield, that doesn't really benefit the tight end uh, necessarily either. So uh, yeah, Ebron, I have him. I have him not too far under actually, because I I'm expecting Pittsburgh to bounce back in terms of the passing yardage, like you said, but um, yeah, I think there's a very low floor with, with Ebron this year because he could get straight up overtaken. Yeah. You know, like all the hypes with Kyle Pitts, you know, for good reason for these rookie tight ends, but baby Gronk has looked really good. Any other draft class, like he'd probably have more hype right now, but just, I think Kyle Pitts is just 
absorbing all the hype that we're not hearing as much about him. But, you know, Furmuth had the, the two touchdown games, so I think the cat's out of the bag. But he just looks so impressive um, in camp and preseason that I, I don't see how they keep him off the field um, as a rookie. So I think that's going to come at the expense of Eric Ebron. Yeah, man. Ebron, I mean, it's it's never pretty with him. He had that one big year with, with Indy. Uh, with Andrew Luck, but it's usually frustrating with Ebron. So yeah, I like getting ahead of that and getting on the right side of that, that frustration. <laughs> uh, I'll close it out with Adam Thewin under 990 receiving yards at prize pick. Thewin's averaging just 55 receiving yards per game over the last two seasons. He's missed uh, six of 32 games. So 19% Minnesota remember their pass volume could decrease this year because they almost every year under Mike Zimmer have a top 10 defense. And last year they were more middle of the pack. They found them, they found themselves in more kind of shootout game scripts. And so uh, I think across the board, you're going to see some regression for this offense, even for a guy like Justin Jefferson. Uh, I don't think he gets to 1400 receiving yards, even in 17 games this year, but Thielen was a guy in 15 games he, he was at 925 receiving yards. He'll be 31 uh, this year. I, I just think that there's a lot of ways for him to be short of this total. You know, Justin Jefferson in year one uh, out-targeted Thielen, you know, 125 to 108. He played one more game, but uh, he, he got 475 more yards than Thielen. And that was just in year one for Jefferson. So the split could even grow wider. Uh, Minnesota could could throw less and also Kirk Cousins. I mean, and partly due to Jefferson last year, but Kirk Cousins, 8.1 yards per pass attempt two years ago, 8.3 last year. So it's also, you know, will Kirk Cousins continue to average, you know, eight plus yards per attempt? Who knows? You know, that, that could also regress. So there's just a lot of different ways that Minnesota could still have a, a better season than they did last year and the offensive numbers could go down because they don't need to, they don't need it. They don't need cousins to throw for, you know, 4,300 yards and 35 touchdowns this year. Um, well, they don't, they probably don't want to need that uh, if that defense rebounds and I, it looks, it, it looks better. You know, there's still, I think the secondary will be better than it was last year. Uh, still some question marks, but uh, overall, I, I expect Mike Zimmer to, to get it back to where it's been in the past. So going even under 990. Yeah, I agree. The defense should be much better. And we know the Vikings love to run the shell of the ball when they're they're up. So I, I agree with that. But are you concerned at all with this Irv Smith injury? He's I mean, he was potentially out for who could be the whole season. Hopefully not. But I mean, it could be like the first month. And, you know, where where do you think those targets are going to go? Do you think Thielen might absorb some of that? I don't because I think Thielen's kind of because like. I already have Thielen still running 90% of the routes yeah. uh, per game. I, I have him missing only one game, like a normal receiver. And I still have him 50 yards short of this, you know, or 40 yards short. I have him at 71 for, for a 950. So, you know, that, that tells me like, and that's a pretty optimistic project. I mean, that, that means that nothing really is going to go wrong. He's going to miss the median one game. He's still going to at, at age 31 run, you know, 90% of the, you know, be on the field pretty much, every snap. So, you know, Smith, the thing about Smith was, yes, he was a guy that was in line for a breakout, but his targets per route run uh, is 15%. And, you know, so we were kind of expecting him to take a jump, but it's not as if like in my model, Smith still kind of has that, you know, that 15%, like that's his 
default baseline rate. So he's like him being out doesn't necessarily change, uh, change much because Tyler Conklin, I have him projected wow. at 14%. So it is really only like a 1% additional target um, increase that, that I have anyway. And, and remember Smith is, you know, the, the starting tight ends also not going to run as many routes because they're going to block. So you know, I had Smith around 72% of the 73% of the routes, whereas Steven's at 90. So it's, it's not really going to affect it too much. Uh, I think uh, just a little for me, because yeah. I, I, I had Irv Smith's breakout kind of impacting Adam Thielen a bit. So I, that's why I'm kind of like, ah, gotcha. Considering it, but yeah, Conklin's going to step right in who knows who's going to be the, the second tight end. But um uh, if anything, it's just going to hurt Kirk Cousins. Like it won't impact Adam Thielen. It's just going to, you know, Kirk Cousins' numbers might dip a bit. Um, so I haven't made an adjustment yet with Thielen necessarily, but I was just curious where where you thought uh, that that might impact Thielen at all. Yeah, the th- I mean, tight ends really—they are so like. There's a lot of regression to the mean there, and they're all like, unless you have like a Kelsey or uh, a Kittle or somebody like that, like they're not going to make too much of a difference. Like if you take them out and put in like a replacement level yeah, tight I, end I, I, on, on most teams. And I like Irv Smith is kind of, even though we like him, he's still like, he was in that like glut of, you know, low end <laughs> tight end ones for a reason. Like, yeah, like still, I, I get it. But for the, the Vikings specifically, the tight end sort of the wide receiver three, especially Irv Smith. So yep. like, what are they going to run more 11 personnel now with KJ Osborne or Chad BB? I just don't know. It just seems like the, target tree might get like even more narrow um, with Irv Smith out. So yeah. that's all. Oh, no, absolutely. Like I, I, I have them, you know, I have Thielen getting a pretty significant amount of the, the targets still. It's just, yeah. this is a low volume team. I mean, and, and they could be lower yes. volume than last year. So, I mean, I feel, I feel good about it, but I, I get, I see your point, you know, Smith. No, I'm, I, I, I'm with you on the under. I was just curious if, if we should be not overlooking that, but I think we're on the same page that, and sort of the Vikings, passing attack, taking a big step back is probably the way to go here. Yeah. I mean, it's nuts. Like Kirk cousins having like one of the best uh, yard per attempt projections in the, in my whole, like he's right there with Mahomes and, you know, in terms oh, of yards yeah. per attempts for me. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Which in, yeah, it's like, it's like Mahomes cousins, Tannehill, like those guys right there at the top. And uh, yeah, it's kind of nuts. So um, if is Kirk cousins going to be top three in yards per attempt, maybe, but yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of floor there, and and Thielen, fifteen games last year, but only ten the year before. Uh, we'll see if he can last for for an entire seventeen game season. So uh, that is a wrap. All right, so twenty four props, man. That was uh, we went in. I, I always love this episode every every year because it uh, it really kind of crystallizes some of the, the the last second projections that that we're doing. Um, and, uh, and we'll have the, our final rankings episode coming out in a couple of days uh, as well. So that should be exciting. Yeah. That, I love this episode because we get to talk about player props and also we're that much closer to getting to watch these players, which is yeah, also we, exciting. We got that like extra week off between the regular season, <laughs> but, uh, we'll have the rosters, uh, probably by the time you guys hear this, we'll cut down to 53 and we'll be, uh, ready to go. So make sure you, uh, go to actionnetwork.com to check out all of our fantasy football and betting content. Uh, of course, we have our fantasy tool where you can uh, leverage Sean and my projections, and enter your league settings, get custom uh, rankings, cheat sheets, all that good stuff. Uh, and also be sure to 
download the award-winning Action Network app. You can follow Sean there at the underscore oddsmaker and me at Chris Raybon. You can also find us on Twitter at those same handles and be sure to leave a rating and review on the new fantasy flex feed. We really, really appreciate it. It's the best way to help us out as we move to this new feed, giving you five episodes per week. Once the season starts, uh, we'll grab an uh, Apple podcast review every week, leading up to week one and uh, send you guys some swag. And uh, yeah, that should do it. Let's get this money. Money.